Hi all and welcome to the GA Scores podcast. I'm Pierce Corcoran and we've plenty to get our teeth into after a dramatic weekend of football action. As always, I'm joined by the usual suspects, Carol Kane, Connor Coyle and Ryan McCluskey. Hi lads. Pierce, how's things? So, I think we're probably best off to start with the drama from Parky Keeve and the belter of a win for Cork with that last minute goal seal in the win. Kerf, is that with you? Are Cork now in the hunt for the All-Ireland? I thought you were going to start by L- L- Longford and Leash. Um, <laughs> <laughs> are Cork on the hunt for the All-Ireland? Um, probably not, no. Um, there's there's still a very close chop in terms of um, who will win All-Ireland and Carrier among that group and Cork aren't. And that's, that's the long and short of that, I think. Um, maybe a different year and, and all the rest of it, but to me, it's now it's probably a three horse race between um, Dublin, Donegal, and, and Mayo. Really, um, Galway have probably lost too much and um, just too 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 injury hit. To I think Mayo will get the better of them, and um, I think that's it. Cork. No, not coming from Division Three. Not at not at this stage. Like I was doing, I was writing my column today, and I just, you know, since two thousand and three, it's it's actually frightening. But there's only been six teams in an All Ireland final, um, you know, which sort of shows you how close the shop really is. Um, and maybe like to be honest, I was even a wee bit surprised at at that. Um, so many fewer winners now than. Than uh, than in past decades and past or the generations and no uh, I just think Cork are not not in that group yet. Well, Ryan, if they're not in that group, what happened to Kerry? Like we we heard all throughout the league, we even from last year, these are the lads that are going to dethrone the Dubs. They're the next big team then waiting. So what happened? I don't know. I suppose this is the beauty of. Covid, isn't it? And uh, how um, this pandemic has, I suppose, entered into maybe squads, and, and there's certainly a lot of unknowns at, at the moment. Um, obviously, at, at, you know, down at, at the game yesterday, and being fortunate to be at the game, you know, you're hearing that many stories about different players in different counties that had contra- contracted the, the virus, and maybe things being kept hush hush, you know, in management teams and squads and. You just don't get the full picture, you know, at the moment. And I suppose, yes, there's an element of you want everybody out training, you want to keep it hush-hush, you don't want it to kind of manifest into something that could hamper preparations. I don't know. I think it was it was just maybe a, a number of things. They looked like they were very conservative going into the game in terms of, you know, that knockout football side of things, you know, for a few years. Maybe maybe Cahar can maybe he's done a, a bit more research into this as well. But for a few years, I I would have said that Kerry didn't really bother them in terms of Munster. You know, I think they had, you know, bigger fish to fry further along down the line, and and maybe didn't mind the odd upset here or there. You know, you know, in in the Munster Championships, so they could probably I pinpoint maybe down the line, maybe getting more games and maybe going through maybe a backdoor process to get maybe more games. Um, and again, I could be wrong in in that sense, but. Even listened to, to any of the, the kind of punditry after the, the game yesterday, a lot of them were, were kind of saying the same thing that they were very naive. They went out um, in terms of their setup, very defensive first and foremost, and, and tried to kind of limit obviously that that cork attack. But you know, you know, we, we wouldn't have said was was probably the most pungent either as well. But uh, that they went out, yeah, very, very naive in that sense. Probably with that knockout. You know that that hasn't been the case. What for twenty years, fifteen, twenty years, in the back of their mind, thinking that, you know, you know, it's do or die here as well. Probably trying to feel their way into the game and think we'll pull away maybe in the last quarter or maybe in in that third quarter. And obviously it didn't prevail. Um, a lot of those Cork lads and a lot of those Kerry lads, you know, as well, have played in in university sides together. So you know, there probably is a, a bit of respect between both sides there as well. I was laughing. I put up a bit of a tweet. <laughs> I was I was corrected straight away then, um, saying that Cork usually give them a you know a decent run for their money in, in most games as well. But I'm not sure who it was. Some some young lad come out and, and proves that completely wrong. Kerry have duffed them. I think the last eight nine games. So that was that was Mr. Stato here myself. 
But I did That's fair. Up, yeah, we've been telling them to get off Twitter. <laughs> but did, uh, I did back it up then by saying, no, I think it was under 21s and, and minors I was, I was talking about. But no, they, uh, no, I think, you know, overall it, it looked like, you know, that was in the back of their mind. Um, and yeah, maybe they just, you know, it was one of those days where they, they just thought, listen, we've won the league. Yes, we'll do enough to get over that line against against Cork. Um, and it obviously didn't happen. And that for me is probably the beauty of, of the current campaign and the current structure and the way it, 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 it is at the moment, you know, and as a Fermanagh man, we, we love the back door. We don't have that pleasure any, anymore, obviously, uh, you know, because of the, the circumstances, but it could have been just one of those things, you know. Kind of to that point, Kerry now out, Cork seemed to adapt to it a little bit better with the weather, with COVID. Are we likely to see more shocks like this now right throughout the championship? I think it, it's it's likely. Yeah, I mean, I think you know at the start of the year we were we were talking about um, you know what kind of surprises and stuff were going to come up, and a lot of people were talking about you know Dublin potentially. You know, is it the year that somebody could down them just simply because of, of everything going on? I think I think any evidence kind of seems to point to everyone else maybe faltering a wee bit and, and Dublin just getting stronger. So nearly the opposite could be true at this stage. So um, I think there, there could potentially be more shocks on the way. Um, you know, there's a couple of big guns has, has, has dropped out, you know, already. Tyrone are gone, Monaghan are gone, um, Kerry now gone as well. So again, that's, that's a lot of, you know, potential teams that, you know, we might not have, you know, been favourites to beat Dublin, but probably would 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 have been back to give them the game at least. So um, that's a couple of big guns gone there, and and there could could be a couple more gone as well. But by the time we get to the the All Ireland semi finals, you know. But um, yeah, I, I think there could be could be a few more to come. But I think the the big shock that everyone's waiting for of, of someone beating Dublin is probably um, is probably the, probably further away than ever, you know. Which, so, which Dublin? Which Dublin team is that? The A, the B team? What's we on about here? <laughs> I don't know. I don't You're know. just jealous. Just jealous. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just we'll just get a new sponsor in. We'll just get a new sponsor in. Uh, no. <laughs> well, Ryan, to, to your point there, though, you know, Cork obviously looking into a muster final now, and their backs will be up. The tails will be up. Will this give a good opportunity for somebody like Tipperary to spring a bit of a surprise and maybe catch Cork in the hop after, you know, oftentimes we see it, you go out in a big game against one of your rivals, you put in a really top-class performance. So I even saw that this weekend with Calvin after a really sterling performance against Monaghan, failed to impress against Antrim. Could we see something similar come from Cork? Ryan? Uh, sorry, um, I... <laughs> It's it's again you know when when I look at Cork, Cork they kind of remind me I know this uh, sounds a bit mad as well a bit like kind of Newcastle at times there's a lot of expectancy you know on on that county um, and on that club you know they call themselves and rightly rightly so they are a big county as Newcastle are a big club but you know the last number of years have not been pretty for them they've, they've kind of lost yeah a, a lot of their maybe support in, in in a sense because of their I suppose lack of of I suppose wins maybe maybe you know throughout the, the last number of campaigns and and that, that's why I suppose I've made that comparison as well and I think you, you know I know Cahar says they're they're maybe out of the running it, it could be the time for them to to maybe kick on um because of the the lack of attendance you know from crowds at the game they're probably not going to feel as pressurised I know when I was at that game as well the Fermanagh game yesterday and you know if I'm if I'm a new player coming into that environment you know I'm sitting going. You know, it's it's not as cut and thrust as maybe my own debut in in Bally Buffet one day whenever I'm getting the run around from, you know, Brendan or Devaney and and trying to catch him and thinking I'm never going to put on a green jersey again after that. You you know, you could probably could have slid away after the game yesterday if you had a bit of a stinker and thought, well, you know what, there's nobody there really to see it that much. Yes, somebody might have picked it up in the telly, but I didn't get abuse. You know, when I was playing and you know you know in a roundabout way. Cork maybe are, are feeling at the moment that the shackles are off. You know that they haven't maybe got. I didn't. I didn't say now they have loads of support, but they don't have maybe people on their back giving off them, and they, they maybe think you know that yeah we have a chance of a of a real you know free run at this, and and let's give it just a real good bold bang and see see where we go. So 
they've always had brilliant footballers. You know, that's not been the case, but it's it's just been a case of, of maybe when can they gel, how can they put the whole thing together with the, the magnitude of clubs down there as well. You know, you're thinking to yourself, when will it click? And maybe now is is the chance for them to kick on, you know. So so maybe this will will be, yes, yeah, something that that could help them maybe take the next step and maybe get into those top contenders, you know, for the All Ireland uh, title. Yeah, to that point, we're now crowds in, and one of the historically teams who've always had fanatical support, but maybe have struggled with it in big games, is Mayo. So with that in mind. Yeah. And going into their one of the bit their iconic final this weekend, is that a team that could maybe with shackles being off? You mentioned yourself there. You think they're in that three, the trio going for the All Ireland. What what's different about them this year that maybe in previous years the fans might have impacted? I think the the fans thing is probably a bigger issue for for Mayo than anybody else, but maybe. In, you know, there there might come a point in the run where it where it's less of a negative or less of a positive and more of a negative for Mayo to not have them there because, you know, Castle Bar is a venue I absolutely love, yeah. um, and and the Mayo fans just bring something that you know it's probably fair to say I don't think any other county brings what the Mayo fans bring to to games and just in terms of the absolute fanaticism of an entire county and and so there might come a point where where that actually works against them but for now it seems to be modern rightly and like I have to say I have been I have followed sort of Mayo under James Horn very closely in the second run like and like I have been so impressed by by the job that James Horn has done in in this second run like he came in and he recognised obviously having sat and, and watched the team in the in the few years that he was out of it, recognised that where they were short and and what they needed. And he has basically spent the last two years not just trying to find players, but really giving fellas game time and really giving fellas opportunities. And like you see the likes of Matthew Ryan and Plunkett and Flynn and uh, even Tommy Conroy at the minute, you know, is flying in the full forward line, and and that's as a result of those fellas playing so much league football over the last two years. Um, you know that it's it's half an hour here and half an hour there, and you know it's probably gone unnoticed. But I think at the stat at at one stage last year, I remember doing a, I think they were playing Armagh in the championship, and they had made at least six changes for every single game in the league. And then I think maybe four or five for the first championship game. And and what that was doing was building a depth of a squad that they hadn't had. You know, Mayo hadn't had a squad. They had 15, 16, 17 very good players. And once you went beyond it, that was it. And they're, I think they're far stronger. Um, Deathways, Killian O'Connor, as was highlighted on the on the Sunday game, looks sharp, fit, fresh. Um Tommy Conroy has, has given them a big thing inside and a wee bit of pace and a wee bit of a goal threat. I, to be honest, I don't think that Aidan O'Shea at full forward is the answer. I think somewhere, it would depend on the game, but I think he just gets bottled up too easily in there. Um, any smart team will put men around him um, and he's not going to burn them for pace. And I think further out, but there's definitely, look, there's definitely signs about Mayo that going forward, they're a far better team. It's whether defensively they're as good as they were, and that was their big strength, particularly against Dublin, and that is the big question mark that hasn't really been teased out yet. I suppose for me, though, like, and I'll open this up to the three of you there. For me, when I watched my O over the last couple of weekends, the last couple of months, and yeah, they, the squad has deepened, and they brought in some real quality. Like yesterday, Jordan Flynn really impressed. Tommy Conroy's really impressed up front. Uh, obviously, you know, it's well known at this stage, but Mark Moran has made a, a big impact spot on social media and uh, in the Mayo team. But in saying that, I think the squad is probably a year away from where they want to be. So really, is this year the nature of it? You know, they're not going to meet Kerry. They, if they get to an all Ireland final, they're in bonus territory, really. I don't know if, if any of you disagree. 
I think I definitely think they would have a good chance now. I mean, as Gary says, I think they've added a new element. You know, there was a few years there, even when they were getting the All Ireland finals, they were, they were kind of reliant on that on that 15, 16 men, and they didn't really have that extra, you know, three or four or five to come off the bench and really, really make the difference, you know. And, you know, a lot of the new fellas just come in and brought a, a real energy, you know, especially coming out from the back, come on, uh, Oshin Mullen, you know, he just he gives them that extra bit of drive, you know, where it, it takes the pressure a wee bit off, you know, the likes of Lee Keegan and stuff, who, you know, they were maybe relying on in certain key moments and key games to come up with a big score or a big point or a big hit. Um, you know, they're, they've definitely upped it in terms of, of depth, I would say, and, and obviously found a couple of good forwards that kind of, you know, replace the likes of Andy Moore. And so, you know, I, I don't think they're they're probably too far away. Um, listen, they, they showed in, in that last big game against against Tyrone that they're they're well capable of, of self destructing and, and having spells where they get they get rampaged. Or, you know, they get they get run over by teams. So um, there still is that element of them, and and you know they could self implode at a certain stage. But there's no doubt that that yesterday, you know, they they looked they looked very good. They looked very confident. And that's even, you know, without Aidan O'Shea really having much of an impact on the game, as, as Cahar says, like, you know, you maybe get more out of them, I suppose, out the field. But, um, you know, they have that thing now where if there were a few, few of those lads just don't turn up, then, you know, there's there's lads there to come and back them up. So um, they're looking good, I suppose. Uh, I definitely fancy them over Galway anyway. Ryan, to that point, Mayo, we talked about their qualities there. They're coming up against Galway this weekend, so... If Mayo were in the running, why not Galway? No, it's it's, it's a valid point, and, and listening to obviously you know the the lads talking about Mayo and and their I suppose I depth now and, and strengths um, and certainly those those players coming in giving them that kind of added kind of I suppose I intensity I suppose as well and and nearly taking them in, in a bit of a different direction as well. I, I still, I still always look at them and, and yeah, I would watch and look for kind of patterns in play most kind of weeks when I'm when I'm watching sides as well, and they always frustrate me and on the opposition's kickouts and and I just they go man to man, and I I just don't think in the in the modern game you can get away with that. You know, if you watch them closely, they always go chasing their own players, and the game at, at this stage doesn't lend well to that. You, you know what? If if you're running and you're chasing and you're hunting maybe a man or any man, you're you're too easily blocked off. You know you're you're too easily screened, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I just think you can get kickouts away easily. And I think over the last number of years, it's it's been a problem for for them. I keep looking at it and I keep I keep it just grinds in my eye. And I don't know if it has been changed. Um, even over the last kind of number of weeks, and I keep watching and thinking going. The likes of a, of a strong Donegal side, the dogs obviously will will do it to you as well. Anyone with a bit of knowledge in, in nets can then play, you know, balls all over the place. Listen, they can go short, go long, go middle distance, and get it away. And you can be caught for numbers. You know, you can set traps against teams that that are pressing up. And, and I know it's certainly something we would have even worked on over the last number of years. If teams are going man to man on you, you can set traps, and then you're going to get overloads all over the pitch. So. You know, I, I just I would worry at times that there's still just that wee bit of naivety uh, in terms of their press that I think has caught them out on, on a number of games as well, and, and those big games more than anything else when, when it has counted. Um, it definitely puts it, it puts Galway in there. Listen, Galway could have went out the last day as well, you know, and, and in those, the league games, you know, they could have sat again, they're stall out and said, listen, you know, we'll take one, we'll, we'll give Mayo today and we'll, we'll let them get their, their, their tails up. Could have been a wee psychological thing as well, where you're going into then championship football and saying, you know, oh, you know what, we have our backs up here now. Look what they've done to us the last day. You know, we're gonna we're gonna over overwrite this kind of issue and and what happened the last day, and obviously go go out and bite them obviously in the championship then. So they're, they're definitely in in the reckoning, and I know we looked at them a couple of times in the league campaign, and you were thinking that Galway looked like they were bringing something different to the table this this year. We had the McGuinness. Gate, you could say, incident then where, where he was involved at one stage as well. And I know we debated on this show about his importance and what, what he was doing within the squad. But um, listen, again, it's it's just, it's brilliant that we have these conversations. It's brilliant that we have football back and, you know, up and running. Absolutely. And, and all sports as well. So, 
you know, if games are finishing, if it finishes two each at the weekend, then I pick the I I pick the brains out of you know the defensive side. Of we we have to be grateful that the games are being played and athletes are out there and these lads, you know, Jesus, like some of them have been have been through the run of the mill. And I looked at one or two of our lads yesterday who have had you know you know this this shitty disease. Excuse my French as well, and uh, no. You know, one of them was badly depleted, and he struggled during the game as well. So for these lads to be out playing, um, in any county, you know, I have to give them credit and and credit to the GA as well. You know, they made the first move and and to have games on, to have football back on. Listen, you know, that's enough for me. Ryan, sorry, just just uh, one one point there that you made about male press and that was I think kickers. I I think as well that it's, it's an eternal problem. Their own kickers, like. To yeah. me, like as 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 a rubbish goalkeeper, like <laughs> I I have never seen anything like David Clark in terms of a shot stabber. Like he is absolutely yeah. unbelievable. But you know, you, it's just such a pity that that the kickouts are are such a problem for him. And yeah. and and every team playing against Mayo knows that. You know, and that was why I was at the the Tyrone League game. <clears throat> and like. And like Tyrone wouldn't be noted for for hounding the opposition's kickouts, and they wouldn't be noted for for turning a pile of them over, and and they did it to him that day, you know. And I just think that, and it's why James Horn is at such a battle in his own head, you know, yeah. the amount of times that James Horn has put Rob Henley into big games, yes, and then yes. and then that maybe hasn't worked for for goalkeeping reasons, you know, in terms of the handling and the yeah. and the shot stopping and other things, but but um, you just worry that that. Kickouts on the whole from both ends are are really what's what's going to kill Mayo when it comes down to it. Did you not think you heard like I mean uh, this is something that you know people <coughs> worked with with David Clark for years and I don't mean to be putting them down you know too much but you think you would like to think after a few years you know you you know they would get the training then you would get you know it's arguable now maybe that that kickouts for a goalkeeper are a more important attribute than than actually shot stopping. You know, in the modern game, like so, you know, is I I don't see any improvement in in terms of the way he approaches the kickouts really at all in the last number of years. I'm just wondering, you know, is that not something they would be working on? Like, I mean, you imagine it would be. I, I'm sure, like I've no doubt that that it's something they work on. But you, like you're right, that has been a has been a consistent struggle for him, and still a struggle for him. And and I think, you know, it becomes obvious then that. You know, just in terms of the, you know, basically the technique of of him kicking it out. Then you know he's he's always standing just a yard or two off the tee and off the ball because he wants to go short. He wants he wants a runner into a pocket where he can kick it with his instep and and just drop it out into a space so that he doesn't require any distance on it. And and you know the instep kick into a space is the easiest kick for a goalkeeper. And and the more the teams squeeze that, then he he doesn't ever seem to to take the five six yards back and have a real cut at it and say right well the short ball's not on and just going to lace this thing sixty five yards and like it just appears that he doesn't have the distance for that um, you know he just doesn't have for whatever for whatever reason he just doesn't have the no no in, in, the, the in, say, in saying that and, and this is probably going back to your statement as well car you know they ask their their defenders to, to do crazy stuff as well so clark's put under but i think pressure. that's why uh, i think Clark, that's why though Clark's put under yeah. a lot of pressure as well if you watch the movement of the back six and um, and what they try and do is is bananas as well at times you know in terms of of it, it but it's brave i i would say it's it's borderline pandemonium because they're scattering all over the place a well-organized front six against them just bottle them up and tempt the keeper to make those mistakes because they are trying to kind of you, you know yeah run all over the place basically and, and one it, it has happened listen and, and to Henley as well it has happened a number of times where and it happens listen it happens most keepers as well it's not to say it, it, it isn't the case but um, Mayo, I have have this obsession where they try and scramble everything and they try and move left and right, and you can get caught very very easily as as Cahar knows from being in nets. Interesting, was chatting to um, a high profile coach a, a number of weeks ago and asking him about uh, yeah the the Monaghan game and and what he thought and how he thought that the game kind of transpired as well and 
it's just because we're on the, the, the subject of, of keepers. And he said, you know, th- there was a lack of, of maybe just game management at times where when they were seven points up, um, usually, you, you know, Began would be told to just completely shut the whole thing down, shut the kickouts down, go down, you know, mess around, use the dark arts, do whatever you, whatever you have to do. Um, but they didn't actually employ, now I didn't know this was a thing, but um, Monaghan hadn't employed a goalkeeping coach to be with them and stand behind the goals. Um, <clears throat> and maybe this is where maybe the the mad keepers club comes out then and the erraticness of, of keepers to just maybe just go and try and get a short kick out and try and be brave and hit a 60 metre ball, you know, under somebody's chest instead of just calming everything down, you know, and, and just, yeah, worrying about that next possession or maybe killing the game and using that, you know, time element. So, so and, and by all accounts, the, the ex-keeper coach with Monaghan was was a Premier League keeping coach as well that, that I was was working with them as well. So it's it's mad to think that the levels that that obviously, you know, you know, we're talking about and what and what we're actually using and utilizing in their in our game as well. You know, you've premiership coaches over that that are standing behind keepers and games that are telling them, you know, maybe to kick something out here or slow it down or whatever it is. So the the game has just, you know, evolved something serious and 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 again, you, you know, you're, you're looking at all... We're, we're nitpicking maybe now as well, these finer details, but it's... Well, no, well, I think it's... No, but it's, it's funny. It's, I suppose it's a nice segue into... When we talk about goalkeepers and the art of goalkeeping and, the, and how it's evolved, you know, the, the, the master of it, really, maybe with a little bit of bias over the last oh, thanks, couple of thanks, years. Thanks, Pierce. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that, was, that, was, that was my hand wheel going off there. If it wasn't right. I ran that in. You're an all-star. You're an all-star in waiting. Um, <laughs> but, you know, aside from aside from Carr, you know, his protege, Stephen Cluxton, um, has been somebody who's transformed Dublin. And it, it's interesting you say there, but the, the differences in how teams employ kickouts and how they use it and how Mayo kind of evolved over the years or maybe lack thereof and being a victim of how good their defenders have been and how they can operate space and you know to your point there Ryan about the intricacies of the minor details about different coaches so is that where we're seeing the game going that really almost like American football the goalkeepers are as strong to gated football teams as quarterbacks are to American football teams I, th- I think I think it, it the modern game lends to it, especially with with the, the the water breaks now as well. You, you know that that coaching time and that coaching element. You know you can plan a wee bit more in terms of maybe set pieces and set plays. So we we definitely are going down that um, kind of avenue and route as well. And and even going back to we were talking about O'Shea earlier on. You know, and I'm, I'm thinking I, th- I actually see the game evolving a wee bit more now as well from from being at and watching obviously the the, the games. Um, over the weekend as well. Obviously, listen, players are bigger, stronger, faster, fitter than than they have ever been. But I think I think the game's changing as well. You, you know, one thing that stood out for me yesterday about I suppose that downside as well was, and and one thing we talked we were talking about after the game as well was how you know different players popped up all over the place. You know, you know, and yes, Dublin have had that over the last number of years, and I think that's that is the modern era. You, you know, do you see? Many big midfielders now in, in in our game, you know, you know that are there just for fielding purposes. You don't see many of them, you know. You know, Caelan Mooney was in there yesterday. He's probably around five eight, five nine, five ten. Don't even know if he is six foot. You know, it's it's a, a very dynamic game that has evolved over the last number of years. And there was a lad Daniel Guinness who who I was certainly was very impressed with yesterday, who seemed to pop up absolutely everywhere, but then seemed to be man marking one of our key men as well at times. So, you know, you know, the game has just you know, really evolved and, and and we give off about social media. I, I think social media has driven that, you, you know, in terms of coaches and coaching standards, what's out there even at club level now, you know, players are starting to recognise maybe Dud's Dud coaching. Ho- hopefully, any of the Burr lads aren't on, on here. Any <laughs> days listen to this and can maybe give it me one. And if that is the case, but, um, but but I think it is, and that, that has been the power of, of social media. And dare I say, you know, even the likes of of the likes of Sky and some of the analysis that has come into the game as well. I think that has driven the, the whole thing on and, and brought it up a level. And certainly, listen, I, I enjoy watching it, learning, listening even tonight. You know, you know. 
to any stats or anything that comes up and you're, you're noting things down and you're thinking, you know, how could I maybe put that into what I'm doing or how could how could that apply to what I'm doing? So I just listen, lo- love all that and, and love listening to it and, and picking up what I can as well, you know. Well, we'll move on to the game you covered on the weekend from Anna Down and Down um, were, some, were probably a team that were probably went under the radar a little bit this year. And on Saturday... Calvin Antrim. So down in, down in Calvin, when we're talking about teams the likes of Cork and Mayo and big teams like that and, you know, the tra- trajectory of their seasons and how they're going. For for down, for example, are they some, are they a team that could pose a challenge going forward in Ulster? I I mean, I, I, I haven't seen them on, on at the weekend there. I mean, I think they can blow very hot and cold. Uh, I mean, and even just the weekend there kind of showed that. The first half, I thought, I thought the first half was was a very poor game overall, and I think kind of the way both teams had set up kind of led itself to that a wee bit. Um, and I, you know, not the the to, to slag off for a too much here, but we kind of come to expect that you know with the way for have played over the last few years, and that's all right, it's nothing wrong with that. But um, you know, down we almost kind of seem to expect a bit more in terms of. Know forward flair and, and kind of individual um, players and stuff, but uh, I think in the second half they you know they, they, they definitely stepped it up and I think even the the fitness you know they, they look very fit you know Kilmooney is is a serious athlete you know and, and the run that he made for for the goal there was just um, you know there's not many players that he did in, in, in that small burst there obviously uh, Daniel Guinness as well uh, really really top-notch fit player like you know he just was popping up everywhere um you know they, they have they have a team of really really kind of um you know of athletes really and, and a few of them can play can play ball as well so i i would fancy them to beat calvin anyway um and i would imagine that they would at least give a game to, to either donegal or armagh whoever it is but um yeah i still think that you know they, they can blow hot and cold and i wouldn't want to be uh, i wouldn't be backing on them let's say on the flip side though care we're talking there about high fielders. We're talking about goalkeeping. Calvin, their two biggest strengths this year, the two Galligans, in goals, Raymond Galligan is free against Monaghan, won the game for them, has impressed with his shot stopping. Likewise, Tomas Galligan, out around the middle, has been a bit of a throwback to that traditional high-catching midfielder. Can they pose a different kind of challenge, maybe an all-style challenge to uh, Ulster this year? Well, look, you would have to think that Thomas Galligan would start. Um, would be the would be the first thing, you know, because like he was man of the match coming off the bench against Monaghan. He was very close to it coming off the bench against Antrim on on the weekend. And like I think they they're a different team with him in it. They just have more. Like, he just brought such an aggression and such a a directness to their play um, that. Like a lost count of the number of times that he was fouled in attacking positions, you know, really just driving a man and making them foul him, um, or let him go. And they, he just he just brought something very different. Raymond Galligan is is very underrated. Um, you know, obviously started out as a forward with, with Gavin and and um, is a brilliant kicker. You know, a really, you know, I think we saw that with a free that he that he won the game with against Monaghan. But but his kick his kickouts over over a number of years it must be three or four years ago. Like and I can remember <coughs> down in Breffney Park, like Martin Riley showing short and then doubling back and behind and and Galligan put it must have been seventy yards on a sixpence right into Riley's chest over his head, dropping into the run and and Cavan ended up won a penalty off it and, and effectively won the game off it. Like and so Galligan's Raymond Galligan's been at that level for for probably three or four years really. Um but look, Cavan are just so hard to judge. They're just so hard to to judge from like I thought they were so poor on Saturday at times um against Antrim that you know, Is that a natural even, evolution of the game the weekend before, though, in terms of teams, like I mentioned earlier, but reaching that high and then struggling to maintain it? Or I is definitely it like... think, sorry, I definitely think there was, a, there was the, if not the physical side of that, certainly the mental side of it, because the Cavan Monaghan derby is, is their game. You know, that is their derby. And, and 
they're so up for it the whole time and and then you know and the reality of it is they were playing Antrim and they'll go you know we can we can maybe step off a wee bit and you could see it in the first 10 minutes you know the game was there they could have the game won inside 10 minutes and I think they missed five shots um dropped two or three short kicked a couple of bad waves and all of a sudden Antrim went just these boys are not at it they are not at it and and Antrim started to attack the game and Paddy Cunningham got involved, Mick McCann got involved. And the next thing was, like by half time, you could see the Cavs were going to struggle to close the door on them because they had given Antrim such confidence in the game that Antrim had taken it and run with it. And they could have been caught, but to be honest, like they still didn't deserve to be caught really. Like Cavan still had enough. But um, you just don't know. They're, they're so unreadable and like, down have pace they're full of full of six footers rangy players sort of very modern team who are, who are developing nicely on their paddy tally but still really unproven in in terms of championship like that was ryan you were there like that game on yeah. on sunday afternoon to me was like I, I was calling it in the paper at the weekend saying that you know it was like the presidential election in America, Pennsylvania, you could leave it for an hour and come back and nothing would have changed because it was going to be point for point. Point for point for point. And hey, for 40 minutes, that's the way it, it was. was. And then the goal and then the goal happened. And I just yeah. feel that had Fermanagh got the goal, like I would say they probably won the game. But just they're right. not built for chasing leads. And and right. once Down got four or five up, to be fair, Down, Down played the last 20 minutes very well, used the spaces very well, I thought. I did, did, did. When when we looked at it um, yesterday, and and we were obviously uh, um, doing a bit of punditry on it as well, we were saying whoever stole a march in that game, you know, whoever even got back to back scores, would obviously cause the the opposition to be tempted a wee bit more in terms of attack to to chase the game, and obviously then that would you know leave gaps and and those gaps you know probably be, to be exploited thereafter, and and obviously when that goal came, you you're right. Fermana would have got the goal. I think Fermana may have kicked on as well. I think it was an interesting start. Use it in today as well. Car, you, you know, it was I think it was forty six to forty three, and um, maybe maybe opportunities in, in the game to to down. I think somebody read that out today. Um, although I thought that figure was was quite high, but I was chatting to one of the Fermana lads earlier on, and I, I don't think you know, in in twelve. From man at the moment, we're, we're just in between. I think over the last number of years, they we, we went from that defensive side of things, you know, and, and kind of knowing where we're at and how to play. And I think we're caught in between now at the minute. We're, we're trying to get it maybe a different balance and, and try and kind of, yes, defend, but try and be a wee bit more maybe potent up front. And we, we just don't have it. We don't have the, the numbers. We don't have the players, unfortunately, at, at the moment. And that was shown yesterday. But... Um, Chatting to Paddy after after the game yesterday, Tally, and you know he he has a good group of, of players there. He he was very shrewd. Like he took off. Don't know her had one three kick. One four, yeah, yeah. Uh, one three, one four, and we were all shaking our heads. He took him off and uh, changed him, and we were all obviously thinking, you know, he's bound to be injured. There was absolutely nothing wrong with him, but he just took him off, and he had that faith, and obviously that bench um, with a number of Johnsons and other Kilku lads on the bench, so. They have pace, they have, have power, they, they certainly are a robust, energetic side that, that co- could cause a, you know an upset against Calvin, I believe, the next day. Um, and what Paddy has done, you know, even from playing against them a number of years ago, it, it, there's just a control element about them. You know, you can see definitely that, that they're buying into everything that he does as well. But, you know, he didn't panic yesterday, didn't panic even when the game was you know, nip and tuck, you know, up to that kind of third period and, and when they pulled away, he was calm and collected on that sideline and, and never really looked like he was you know, gonna you know, you know, panic at any stage and when they got the goal, listen, his his changes thereafter were, were exceptional and, you know, Fermanagh, yes, had to come out of the blocks, but they, they were well and truly exploited and, and, and Calvin, I suppose, yeah, I see a side that um maybe have had that bounce back last year from, from Graham coming in. Um, and you don't know as Cahar, Cahar and, and we've sorry we've all said we don't know which Cavan are going to turn up. I, I'd love to see actually what their turnover in players 
has been over the last number of years. Maybe that's something for somebody else to pick up. But there's been a high generation and turnover of players over the last number of years. And uh, it will be interesting yet yeah, to see how they fare next weekend in, in terms of will, will they get over the line and, and will they beat down. But for me, I can only see down get, getting through to that final against obviously Armagh or Donegal. And obviously Donegal Armagh next weekend as well. And last weekend, Donegal probably got through their, one of their toughest games and one of the toughest games of the championship by beating Tyrone Armagh, uh, getting past Derry as well. Are we looking at one of them as the eventual Ulster champions this year? I I, I would say so. Anyway, um, I think I think it, it was a great win even for for Armagh last week um, against Derry. It wasn't wasn't spectacular. I don't think by any means, um, you know. But you have to kind of remember that, that Armagh went like was it was it seven or eight years maybe with, without even having a, a victory in the Ulster Championship at all and. You know they'll take any kind of win like that under their belt and, and just add to the momentum that they have going forward. Um, you know they're they're building a real solid team, a real solid squad with you know that kind of extra four or five lads that can give them a bit extra off the bench as well. Um, I I, I just think Donegal are, are a step above everybody at this stage, so I, I don't see them. Um, I don't see Armagh getting the better of them, but I'd say probably the stage they are they are the two best teams left in the competition. Um, I say I don't think Downer or Cavan are that far behind. It's you know it'll, I think whatever way it works out, you know, the final will be a game. You know, it'll it'll be you know it'll not be a million miles away. But I think Donegal Dunning, probably just are, are just that wee bit further ahead of, of, of the chasing pack, you know. And talking about the leading pack, Dublin <laughs> were playing with me uh, last weekend and won quite easily in the end by eleven points. Um are we looking at a team who new manager, a relatively new group of players in terms of having lost Brenner Brogan, Dermot Connolly and the like. What is what in the young cohort, the young contingent is there that to keep the hopes alive for six in a row? They're <laughs> they're not I think I, I think um Sometimes we, we underestimate the abilities of, of anybody coming into a Dublin squad because we maybe don't know them that well yet, but the vast majority are coming in with all their minor or under twenty one medals, if not if not both. And like we we've seen a good like take the example of, of of Niall Scully, um, who, you know, worked his way in what, maybe four or five years ago now, like and you know, you know, outside, nobody really heard of him, and yet he's has he missed a championship game since. Um, he he's one of the fellas that Jim Gavin went to, loved him, and um, you know, there's just there's just such an unbelievable depth of of talent within Dublin as a county. Like, look at the strength of their their club championship and um, money is. <laughs> and money, absolutely. <laughs> but like they have, they have probably they've they have four or five clubs that, if any of them won the Dublin Championship, they could win the All Ireland. You know, and that's that's where they're at. So the depth of their talent is, you know, not maybe on a national platform all of the time, but sometimes we underestimate just how hard it must be to get into a Dublin Twenty Six, and anybody that is in a Dublin Twenty Six. Would probably walk on any other team in Ireland when you when you consider how far in front they have been. Well, I suppose we'll end it though on a general point around how the championship will will, will continue to play out. As in, because you know, we, as we mentioned at the start of the show, we talked about Kerry as a very very likely contender. Talked about the impact of what a team like Tyrone could do at Donegal's and that. With those teams out, and after this weekend, one of Mayo and Galway will be out. One of Donegal and Armagh will be out. Are we likely to see, with the impact of COVID, with the impact of weather, are we likely to see a new champion this year? Or is it Dublin have their name written on over it? And I'll open it up to the three of you to give your answer. I'll shoot first. Uh, My only concern with the GA probably would have been this was probably their opportunity to have that open draw that I think 
everybody would have loved to seen and had the opportunity to maybe scrap maybe the uh, and I love listen I love the Ulster Championship I love everything that it brings but you know I think everyone would have excused you know the GA at this stage if they would have just turned around and said you know what we'll possibly just have an open draw here we'll, we'll give this a bang in terms of sorry your point I I I think I said from the, the start of, of this kind of pandemic, whatever side that has any strength and in, in terms of depth, you know, that'll be the side that will, will push on. So for me, yes, you're, you're looking at your, your top contenders again. You know, you're, you're looking at your your Dublins. I think Mayo will get over the line this weekend. I don't think they'll be too far away. And the likes of your, your Donegal's as well. I think Donegal will get through, you know, Armagh at the weekend and, and probably will be there or thereabouts. Um, and also those sides who maybe have done a wee bit of work and been a wee bit naughty during the pandemic and maybe should not have been. And yes, there's been plenty of um, rumours about there as well, but we'll, we'll not delve into them. I think there's enough media spotlight going on in other areas. So. We'll talk about them or we won't talk about county board officials either. Well, anyway. <laughs> I never said anything to, to the record here. Um, no, so for me, I, I can't see far past those top sides. And I... Um, I, I just, uh, I, I just, I wanted to reiterate that, you know, and I, I do credit the, the GA. Listen, you know, it's an organisation, you know, with with the wealth of numbers that we have, and we do give off about them at, at times, as I did nearly there now. But anyway, they they do lead by example in terms of a lot of other sports do see where where the GA and what roads they take, and you know, a lot of sports then follow that. So I have to give credit to the GA. I, I'm just I happy that, you know what, if there's a nil-nil draw at some stage in the championship, I don't, I don't really care if it gets me I'm doing maybe some of the, the chores about the house and just checking and looking around me to see if the miss is away. <laughs> if I get watching something in the box or getting getting to listen to something on the radio, I'm happy. So you know, there you go. I'm just glad that, that there's football and hurling back on and that's that's that. I, I mean, I kind of picked up on this um, at, at the start there that, you know, kind of coming into the championship and considering, you know, throwing out a good finish to the league and, um, you know, Galway were looking good throughout the league and Mayo kind of, you know, have hammered Galway even though they went down. Donegal obviously looking strong as well. And um, I, I just think all the contenders have weaknesses there that, that Dublin will just exploit when, when it comes to it, you know. Um, like I thought, maybe with all those kind of extra conditions of the weather and and the pandemic and everything kind of going through, that this was maybe the year that Dublin might have caught on the hop. But um, you know, as as the championship kind of goes further on, I think the the likelihood of that just kind of uh, diminishes. You know, um, even Don Donegal, I would probably say with Kerry being out, or probably number two, um, May would maybe contest that. But um, I still think even Tyrone kind of, you know. Had them there for the taking as well, and I, I just think if you play like like Donegal did against Rome, Dublin will pick you off and pick you off very easily. Um, you know, bringing in new lads there. Look at uh, Sean Bugler there just coming in at the weekend as well, and he, he's he's come in. He is he is no. Well, I'm not sure if he was he was on the panel last year maybe, but you know, he's a point to prove to come in and, and that he's he's worthy of a, a place in that 15. And anybody that comes in, you know, Paddy Small as well. Those lads coming in are, are going to want to prove their position there'll be no issue with complacency or anything like that there at this stage so I think as the longer the championship goes on I can only really see one winner at this stage Okay. Uh, get them out of Crow Park <laughs> no no need for no need for the games to be in Crow Park and if um, if it's Donegal and Dublin Donegal should be asked the question look do you want to play in Crow Park if the players want to go there let them play it if they don't, let's let's take it to Port Leash. Let's make it a neutral game because there's no supporters to you know there's no supporters to accommodate. So there there is that element. And hey, look, we don't know how much impact it would have in, in a championship game because Dublin haven't been outside Crook Park for for such a long time. But there's there's elements of the Winter Championship. Um, you know, obviously the 20 point mark that the teams have set now for years in terms of you need to get to 20 points to, to stand a chance against Dublin. You know, it might just come down a wee bit in in the weather. Um, like Dublin mightn't hit 20 points in in early December. Um, you know, they might get to 15, 16, 17, and if it's Donegal, 
don't think all the forwards they had that. They have the forwards they had 15, 16, 17 points. Mayo, you know, might have the forwards at the minute. We're just, we've probably a bit to learn about them, but they might have the forwards for it. And like, I, I actually, I don't, I don't think it's as clear cut as just tie the ribbons on it and post it on down the road there to Cluxton. Um, I, I, maybe that's the optimist in you. I hope that it's not as clear cut as that, but it just feels like there's so many things. The, the new management team, he was talking to somebody very recently, he was saying like even even in the early part of the season, like play, playing against Dublin, you could feel on the pitch that they weren't as disciplined. You know, that, that there were just wee bits that weren't, you know, just weren't maybe what they had been. And maybe that's people looking for chinks in the armour all the time in Dublin. And we've been, been doing that for for six years, um, trying to find reasons why they might get bit this year. Um, and so far, we haven't found enough of them for for any given year. But like, I, I wouldn't rule it out in the, in the context. Look, hey, to be honest, <laughs> this is going to sound strange, but like... I, I think Meath'll I think Meath'll give them a game. I think for the first time in a long time in Leinster, I think they're going to get a game off Meath. Um, Meath gave them a game last year, like you know. I know, uh, you know, for a while, for half. As well. You know, the half. there, like your potential's there. If we can, if we can get somebody to kick the ball over the bar, it would be, it would be a good start. You know? And they've and they've shown a wee bit of signs of that in the last couple of games. Obviously, I mean, they played Wicklow and and maybe don't don't read too much into it, but 7-14, but um, they've just shown signs over the couple of games that I've seen bits of them of, of maybe having a wee bit more up front. And, like, they played Dublin in that Leinster final last year man for man for a lot of that defensively. And they kept Dublin to four points in the first half. And and they just didn't have enough up front to capitalise on that. And if they've improved a wee bit up front, like, I'm not saying me they'll beat them, but I think for the first time in a in a number of years, I think they're going to get a game in Leinster. Uh, yeah, I get your I get your point there because like I think to your point, in previous years, what caught my eye about that result in previous years, Dublin would have been the one putting up seven goals against a team a little bit weaker in Leinster, and for me to do that, I think yeah, it sets a statement. And look, we'll wait and see. I think, but as as Ryan said, like it's. It's great to have it back. It's it's been exciting anyway, and I'm sure this weekend will be no uh, different. I think on that note, we'll leave it there for this week. Thanks very much, lads, as always. If you want to catch us on Twitter, send all abuse to Ryan, Kerr, and Connor. <laughs> <laughs> Other than that, uh, catch you same time, same place next week. Cheers. Cheers.